let's talk about ghosts and demons. Now, I'm not talking about the ones that you're used to seeing Zach Baggins and his friends face and try to chase down in episodes of Ghost Adventures. I'm talking about the ones that we truly hide from and avoid facing. The ghosts of our pasts. Now, we've had this discussion before with our friend Zachariah the Witch. We're talking about the things we need to change within ourselves. Originally, Bryce and I have plans to talk about a pretty haunted location here in Los Angeles, but one afternoon out of nowhere while I was researching this location, something told me to stop and text our friend Zachariah the Witch and bring him on the show. And we wanted to dedicate this episode to him because you see, almost a year ago, Zachariah the Witch went through something very traumatic and very much life-changing that put him on a new spiritual path. We feel that his story can connect with all of you, can resonate with all of you. If you're going through the same thing, just know that you're not alone. We like to break down this episode in two chapters, hence is why it's an hour and 50 minutes. But don't worry, we're still going to talk about ghosts and have those ghost stories. But like Zachariah's case, what if it's the ghosts that are there to guide us, to watch over us in this new spiritual awakening, in our new journey? Well, we'll find out in chapter one that we like to call spiritual awakening. I was prepping for the busy season, you know, the season of the witch. And I had all these shows lined up that were on my calendar for end of September, all the way through October. And I had a day at home on that date where I was just going through wardrobe stuff, finalizing some things because I was just being preemptive and I didn't do anything uh, strenuous. I was having a very relaxed day. And then um, I remember I bent down to pick up a garment that I had uh, tried on and I threw on the ground and I was just picking stuff up and I stood up and it was like a crackle kind of uh, sound in my head. And it was the weirdest thing that I've ever experienced because it was just, it was foreign to me. That's, that's all it was. And I was like, okay, that was weird, whatever went on about my day. And about an hour went by, I got a reading from an astrologer and I did that. And then I was on the couch and I started to have like a sore, achy feeling. And I texted um, my partner and I was like, I don't know what, what happened or what's going on. I didn't do, I didn't go to the gym. I went for a walk and that's, that's it. That's all I've, I've been home. Nothing. I didn't do anything it's like gotten more and more sore and it's different than a soreness I've had before. I decided to chill. I laid on the floor, uh, did the things that, you know, people tell you to do for your back to like lengthen your spine or just relax and all that stuff. And it kind of like remedied it, but then it was sort of difficult to get up off the floor. I didn't do any floor things anymore. And I laid on the couch and he came home and um, my, my ability to lay on my right side to then try to sit up to lay on the, the left side of my body, it, it was really difficult and it hurt kind of. And 
I was like, what the fuck is wrong with me? And I just like told him and we were, you know, talking about it and I didn't think it was serious. And Mm -hmm. then after we uh, watched this show that we were watching, I wanted to get up to go to the bathroom and I found it really difficult to swing my legs from laying down to put them on the floor. And I had to use my hands and my arms to move them like that. And then it was hard to sit up uh, because it just, it was really sore and hard to just do that. I went to go stand up and I, my, my legs gave out. Like, Mm -hmm. luckily my partner was already uh, standing to go to the kitchen or something. So he saw it and kind of like catched me, Mm -hmm. caught me. And I put my arms around his shoulders and I was facing him. And all of a sudden it was like, I was having these weird tremors or convulsions throughout my, my legs. And I couldn't uh, stand up or flex my legs to be straight. And it hurt to allow them to relax as well. So I was in this weird, like knees bent, ankles kind of bent, not really standing up on my weight at all. And I'm totally hanging on him. And then I just started crying because I started having this hot radiating pain from my middle of my, my spine down through my legs, both of my legs down through my feet to my toes. And it reminded me of that crackle sound I heard earlier. It was a very like similar electric type of thing. And it, it went numb and it was like these weird, I couldn't control the things that were like shaking and he was really unsure of what to do. So we walked over to the kitchen, but really I just was hanging on him. I tried to lean against the counter to stand up, but I mean, by that point I was in tears and I was really like hurting bad and I have a high pain tolerance and he didn't know what to do. I didn't want to to say, let's go to the hospital. Mm -hmm. I tried to just, you know, not think about it. And it just was, it wasn't possible. And I finally was like, I have to go to the hospital. And that in itself was an ordeal. I couldn't get in the car in the front at all. I had to sit in the back seat and the maneuvering to just like have my body contort to get in that seat. And then the ride there, luckily the the hospital is over here right by me. It's not even like five minutes. However, any little bump, any little movement at all was like awful. I just, I, I, I felt like an asshole because it was like me trying to communicate to him driving, like, I don't go over a bump or like, don't turn so fast or right. like, don't, but I also just, I couldn't handle being in that position either. So I was just fucked, you know? And then the hospital, of course, you go to the ER and it's not really that busy, but I'm, I couldn't be consoled. I was in so much pain and I'm trying to talk through tears. I have to do the insurance thing, the ID thing. And of course, you know, I had like this in my body, in the pain and out of body observing that they were looking Mm -hmm. at me as if like, oh, are you trying to get drugs? Are you pretending? And they, you know, are just doing their job. But it was also just like, oh my God, this is like freaking me the fuck out. All I could do at first was check in, told me that I would have to wait a little bit. And I had to stand outside against a, uh, a banister to some stairs oh. in this, like, again, a weird position, but it was the only position that didn't feel bad. 
And then that didn't work anymore. And I had to get them to request to bring a wheelchair for me. Anything that was like sitting or pressure on the lower part of my body, I could, I, it was like, I couldn't feel it, but then I felt this weird burning thing at the same time. And it was hot and it radiated and it hurt. And it was like, I've never been in that much pain. So I started to get uh, really concerned when it was just numb and I didn't feel my feet. Then I didn't feel the rest of my legs. They finally got me in and I had to go in by myself because of fucking COVID rules at the time. Mm. I hate hospitals because of all the just like heaviness in the ER. And it's just, it's not, it's, it's hard. And I hate needles. They took like four vials of my blood. They uh, had, they heard from me directly. Like I communicated, I am sober and I am in a lot of pain, but I, I have to try to not like take any narcotic type drugs or whatever, but they just were like, I can't let you be in this much pain. I'm really sorry, but we just, we have to give you something. And they tried doing uh, the one that's like half Vicodin, half whatever, Toriadol, and it did nothing. They moved me downstairs to get a MRI, a, a CAT scan. That hurts so much. The whole time it's like, I felt so composed at certain mm. points. And those were the moments people would be like, so what did you do? And then I just cried. I'm like, I didn't fucking do anything. Mm. I got the testing done and I go back to the ER, to the, the bed I was in. And then they're like, uh, COVID test, this, this test, more blood, um, X-ray. And then, okay, we're gonna admit you. And I don't know why. And I'm like, I need to know why you're admitting me. And they're like, well, your pain threshold has stayed at a 10. We have given you a uh, Toriadol, but also we gave you whatever it's called. It was something stronger. And you're saying that you're still having the same amount of pain or worse. And um, they finally gave me Dilaudid, which is like stronger than morphine, you know, and wheeled me up to the sixth floor. And I was really, I was so upset and it's foreign and I'm in this room and I'm in and out of consciousness and I can't feel my legs. And this really cool thing happened. And I've only told a few people, um, but it, it confirmed, it confirmed a lot of beliefs that I've always had a sense that are true. Mm. I lost a really good friend at that time. Like it was less than a year of her passing. And I was in that bed and I was in and out of consciousness and I was hysterical. I've never sobbed like that. Like mm. I couldn't, I could not be consoled. I thought I'm never going to walk again. I'm in here by myself. I'm, I don't understand what's happening to me. Why is this happening to me? And I just, I closed my eyes and I had tears coming down my face. And I, I, it's, there's no one can convince me otherwise. I, and it's, it wasn't the drugs. I had, I was laying there on my back. The nurse had just left and had uh, turned the lights off because I just, I had to be alone. And I wanted to like really just, cry mm. and I just had to be alone and I remember it was so dark 
and I, I closed my eyes and I was just like, somebody, somebody help me. Mm. Somebody please help. And I felt a hand on my leg and it was so real and so weird because I couldn't feel my legs, but it, it was a hand and then it moved to my chest and I just cried. Mm -hmm. And I immediately said out loud, I was like, thank you, Joe Beth. Oh, that was your witch mama. Yeah. That was your wit. I remember. I literally, the second I said her name out loud, I fell asleep. I do not remember any of like anything after that. I woke up to uh, middle of the morning, late evening, a nurse that was very aggressive. I'm going to take your blood. They finally were like, okay, you are going to stay here. We have to give you an IV. So I was in that hospital for two weeks. Oh my God. I learned a lot about myself. Mm-hmm. The long and short of it was I learned that I didn't know, and I haven't shared this either, but I'm really glad I'm doing this on here. I'm too. Like, we are too. Like, it's just, I'm so like touched by that. Yeah, we, we all are. And just to let you know too, Zachariah, you're definitely in a safe space. Like mm-hmm. sometimes the scariest things are not the things that we think mm-hmm. in our minds, what they are like demons and ghosts. There could be scary yeah. situations in reality that we have to face yeah. demons yeah. in a different sense. It really, and- it really was. There was a uh, realizations that I had at, at the hospital over the course of the two weeks, like, I had my partner bring my journal that I had been writing in at that time. And I remembered, I had forgotten that a week, no, a month before, a friend recommended that I get a reading from this person that I did not know at all. Mm-hmm. And at first I thought the he was like, witchy, woo woo, weird, you know, and he asked me, like little, little bits of questions, but wasn't trying to like get any information to cold read. And the thing that I wrote in my journal from that reading was he mentioned, Hey, also what's going on with your legs right now? There's, there's this stuff and I can only describe it as like a sludge, like a, a black sludge that's built up in your legs, like as if your, if your legs were like hollow, Mm -hmm. it's like, they're full of that stuff and it's starting to come out. It's, uh, it began, uh, recently. was prior to all of this happening? A month before. Oh my God. And it's the part that's, the part that's weird is like, yeah, okay. He, he focused on my legs, but the thing that he said, (laughs) the thing that he said after was it's a lot of, uh, emotional, traumatic, uh, spiritual and other things that are, you know, from your life, but also how you have healed a lot of things and people mm. and you didn't let go of it and it's going to start seeping out and Oof. you have to, you have to let it happen. And it's gonna, it's not going to be fun and it's going to fuck, it's going to fuck you up. And I was just like, okay, whatever. And I just thought I did leg day that day, you know? So, <laughs> so in my, 
in my hospital bed. Sorry. I know, right? So that's the perfect response. Like, I, I guess I'm doing legs today. Uh, you know? Yes. <laughs> These calves are gonna look amazing. amazing. Fuck you. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. And it's just that's the thing is, you know, I'm reading it in my hospital bed and I'm by myself. And I was by myself a lot uh, the two weeks that I was there for the whole like COVID restrictions. Yeah. And if anyone does want to visit, they have to be uh, fully vaccinated yeah. and boosted or whatever. And um, a lot of just those things were, that was, it was awful. I learned, as I was saying, that happened with the reading. I'm reading it. And it's like that uh, revelation where, oh, okay. It's physical. It's spiritual. It's emotional. Mm. It's unexplainable right now. I have a pain management doctor. I have a neurologist. I have an MD. I have a, um, uh, whatever specialist. And then a, um, you know, the, the bone person, the fuck (laughs) anyway, that doctor. So all of them are scratching their heads. Mm. All of them are asking the same fucking questions. Like, what, what did you do? What were you doing? And I'm having the same reaction. I'm upset. I'm emotional. And I learned a lot. Like I said, mm. I was there. I had the revelation with the reading. I had a lot of visitations in my dreams. Mm. I had a huge shift in my ability to have boundaries uh, for myself and towards mm-hmm. people in my life. And the biggest one was I, I stopped talking to my mother um, like six months before this happened. Wow. And I just kind of just let it happen. And I didn't understand why. And in the hospital, I was writing and I got on a call with a friend from Arizona. And I said, you know, I had a realization that in order to heal sometimes, if a place in your body or your spirit or your emotional body is not healing and it just is always infected or seems like it's just not, you know, closing or closing up or getting scarring over, so to speak, it's like there's a thorn that's in there or an object that it has to be taken out. Mm. And I realized that day, my, my own mom was that thing for me. And it gave me a lot of peace Mm. to say that out loud, to write it. I started to, that was like after a week, I started to have a weird like turnaround in my, uh, my, my, my condition. Wow. After the fourth day, I started to feel my, my feet again. I could have assistance to go to the bathroom. I told them I need a wheelchair and it's because in my intuitive vision that I kept seeing was I have a wheelchair and if I'm moving my upper body, it will help my lower body start to activate again. Hmm. And they didn't believe me. Hmm. And they said, we don't have that kind of wheelchair here. We only have the, the escort wheelchairs to push you. We don't have the ones where you propel yourself. And my partner went and got one off of like offer up or something. Uh-huh. And it was like an old, like, you know, those old church wheelchairs, that are like <laughs> metal. Yeah. Yes. But it worked. <laughs> I wheeled around that floor. I found out that floor was the floor for people who were terminal or, you know, 
at the oh end of their God. life. But it was a weird comfort because wow. again, not knowing at that time mm. about myself and my next phase in my spiritual work, I felt comforted knowing that those people, while they might've been dying, while they might've been mm. there alone, I realized what I wanted to do to advance myself in what I do spiritually with the work that I do. And I met some chaplains. Wow. I met some people that worked with the chaplains there. They were like, uh, do you want me to do Reiki? I had them do Reiki on me. I cried. I cried a lot. And I realized after the chaplains and all the people and how nice everybody at that hospital was mm. and all the things that were just so like uh, miraculous in a way mm. that I wanted to work with people near the end of their life. And I wanted to be a person that's a bridge, not only for someone that's dying, but mm. for their families and to communicate how important it is to ready yourself and normalize the conversations about death and dying and the transition and have it never not become this thing anymore of fighting and issues and money and all the shit that it's always kind of been, mm -hmm. you know, and it poured into my fucking brain. And I was just like, weird, what, you know? Mm -hmm. And I talked to the chaplains. I started to, again, have physical therapy. I remember the day that uh, my partner was there. His boss had had a stroke the year oh. before. And she was like, here's my, here's the walker that I had to use for, wow. you know, let Zachariah use it. And um, he brought it that day. Cause again, this hospital is great, but they didn't have the, the walker that I needed for myself. You know, mm. they're very limited with the physical therapy stuff. Um, in fact, they only had one physical therapist for uh, one of the weeks. So it's really stretched thin. And they came to my room, they did an evaluation. And again, really nice, really, just really good at helping me understand my body mechanics and how to not feel so defeated. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, this is the second week and I was finally kind of like standing up, but week two, day one, I could only walk on the walker from my bed. So I'm, I sit on my edge of my bed, mm. the walkers in front of me, I have to grab it. I, I have this like belt on that they use to lift me around my waist to give me like a momentum. Mm. I stand up and the furthest I could get was to the door of my room. That's like 10 steps. Wow. And it was hard to think about 10 steps to the door and then 10 steps back and I couldn't do it and it, it sucked. So <clears throat> these things are happening. Mm. I was starting to feel really, I had a day in that week, the second day I felt fucking crazy. Like I felt I'm on all these medications. I, I was literally on 15 different medications. I was on Neurontin, I was on Dilaudid, I was oh, on God. pain stuff nerve stuff they had me on the steroids that they give to covid patients so it's the strongest shit they have oh my it, gosh it made me moody 
it made me aggressive. Mm. It, it was just, it sucked, you know? And they're like, oh, all this is going to help you. And I'm just like, I can't sleep sometimes because of this shit. And then it's to the point where mm. I'm only sleeping because I told myself to wait until I wanted to try to sleep to, to get the nurse to come and be like, hey, give me the stronger pain med to knock me out. Mm-hmm. Oh. That's the only way I could fall asleep. And again, I hated it because I am sober, you know, and I'm just like, I'm relying on this fucking narcotic drug, Jesus Christ. So Mm -hmm. I started doing a late night um, Zoom uh, AA meetings to just like talk to somebody, you know, talk to people because I just, I would wake up and be like, fuck, well, I'm awake, you know, Mm -hmm. and I, I did that sometimes and all the while I'm reconnecting with my friends in Arizona and, you know, the people that I've really felt supported by spiritually and they are my other family. My friend sent me these um, Santa Muerte cards to the hospital because Mm. my dream that I had before a lot of things started to shift was about a cloaked figure that was, obviously to me feminine and I knew it was, was her and it was peaceful. And I felt a sign was, was right in front of my fucking face. And all she did was stand at the foot of my bed in this dream. And that was it. And I woke up and I was, I felt so like at peace and people uh, from the nurses to doctors that day came in my room and they're like, it feels really peaceful in here. Wow. Interesting. Right. Then I, I just, you know, I had enough. I had to advocate for myself. I had an Mm. issue. I had issues with like the insurance shit. I had issues with, uh, aftercare stuff. They were already throwing this information at me about, you know, we have to petition to do this and this and this, it's not for sure. If you're going to be able to get the treatment that you need Mm. other than, um, maybe outpatient or in-home, uh, occupational therapy, which is basically just them doing uh, range of motion exercises at your house. Mm-hmm. And I'm grateful for that. But at the same time, it's like, how does that help me heal what's going on? And then uh, the fourth day of the second week, I was, I was fucking irate. I, I cussed out my doctor. I, and I feel like I felt bad but I was able to make amends later and she understood. She's like, I get it. You had to fight for yourself today because you didn't feel heard. And I was like, thank you for noticing that because it is true. I literally feel like you guys thought I was fucking crazy. You're telling me that you still don't know what's up with the, the MRI, the CAT scan. It's not conclusive yet. There's no reason that this is happening, blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, I need to get out of this room. If I can't work with the physical therapist, I'm gonna do it myself. Mm-hmm. And I had a friend, my friend Marzia visited me twice, all the way from Beverly Hills. <laughs> and she walked with me. My friend Drin had come back from Dubai. She walked with me. Wow. My friend Jessica walked with me. 
My partner walked with me. My friends Doug and Brady held my hand while I cried. My friends Marissa and Colin did the same thing. I'm so grateful. I got all these beautiful messages online. I waited because I was so paranoid Hmm. about talking about what happened to me. I felt like if I did, I was like looking for attention. Hmm. And that's, here's the core of what I really want people to absorb. I am who I am. I am this like persona of Zachariah the witch. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of ways, he's a character. He's a mystical, unknown, mm-hmm. non-gendered specific weirdo kind of person that also is a blend of all the childhood fascinations that I had of Vincent Price, Elvira, mm-hmm. Pee Wee Herman, weird <laughs> shit, you know? And it's this shape-shifting quality of my Uh, outer self to have a positive impact on the world because Mm. a lot of my life was really dark Mm. and a lot of people still assume that being a witch and all this stuff is very dark but this is what I really think people need to hear is Mm. I learned in the occult and in witchcraft that a lot of our power is the most potent when we can be vulnerable and in that vulnerability have the realization that I never let anybody take care of me. I never let people help me. I never cry in front of people. I never show weakness. I I mean, I remember talking to my friend Marzia and saying to her, you know, I realized I don't tell you I love you enough. And you're like a sister to me. And I told Fresh, I was like, this made me realize my partner Fresh, I was like, this made me realize that, you know, you are, you are my person. And I hate to see you in pain because Mm. you don't know what to do, but I have to tell you that I see myself like Willy Wonka in the chocolate factory, has a cane, walks out, Gene Wilder does that somersault and he jumps up. That's what I saw for me, like first week, third day. That's what I held on to. And I also held on to letting people take care of me and love me I read messages from people after I posted about what happened to me without having a lot of information out there. I got over like hundreds of messages from people that I didn't even know had paid attention to the shit that I did or uh, knew who I was or anything. And the common thread was you are such a light to so many people or The other one was, you have helped me just by being yourself and you are so strong. And I know that you'll get through this. I had the imposter syndrome. I didn't think that I deserved that at all. Mm. I had a hard time reading them because it it was over like 300 messages. It took me like a few days to really be sure that I had looked at all of them, but I did. And I thanked every single person and I personalized every single thank you. I didn't just say thank you. I said something about how they worded what they said Mm -hmm. and how, how much, how grateful I was that they knew just what to say in that moment when I was reading that message. And it helped me so much during that like minute when the nurse came in and like put something in my IV and I wanted to punch her in the fucking face, but I just, um, 
be vulnerable. Mm. Who heals the healer, you know? Who has to, who holds the hand of the person that has taken it upon themselves or has felt that they are called to assist others either transitioning from life to death or having other transitions from career to love Mm. to understanding who they are and finding their strength. I had all those thoughts as well, like, I'm getting all these like thank yous and you'll heal and you're strong. And I'm remembering all at once, just how many people I have met and worked with who have only had positive results from a reading or positive results just because I was nice to them. Mm-hmm. And that's like sort of sad too. It's like, I'm the, I'm a stranger. Mm-hmm. I was nice to you. And you have held on to that for so long. And it makes me wonder like, who's in your life, you know? And I'm just like having all these things happen and everything is just such a spiritual learning curve. And I, I felt so different. And that's all I could say every day for like the two weeks, I feel different. I'm changing. I don't know what's really happening right now. And I'll, I know that it will come to me and I, I got a lot of a lot of different things each day. Either I had a dream or a phone call that I wasn't expecting to have. I had a nurse that I, I love this nurse. She was Jamaican. And I could tell the other nurses there didn't have a good vibe with her. And I flat out asked her because she had flat out asked me. She's like, honey, you're too young. What what the hell did you do? I didn't do anything. It just happened. And also like, what have you done to make it so like tense with all the other nurses? And she's like, I'm a travel nurse. So, you know, I'm a stranger to them. And we, we really had a great conversation and she was very like, not Christian, but you know, more leaning towards that spirituality. But we had a really like cool common ground thing about having faith and having the ability to trust in the people that love you and support you. Mm. And also how resilient and strong a lot of us actually are. And I really feel like that's the other part too that people forget and they probably need to hear today. Most of us are stronger than we believe. And it's not about perseverance and pushing Mm. through drama. It's about knowing yourself and going to the very core of who you are that it shakes you. It makes you feel a little unsteady because it's raw and it's real. Mm. And that was a really big experience that I had because I went from the day of anger and I cussed out my doctor and that turned into a very productive day where I pushed through and I, I effectively did what I was supposed to do. And I hate being angry, but it was the energy that I had to use that day to make sure that all my shit got handled and all my questions were answered. Mm. And I finally got a doctor, a specialist, the neurologist to come in. And I was on a lot of drugs at that time of the night. And I could barely understand what the fuck he was saying, but he gave me a diagnosis and it was, I've looked at your, your, your stuff and it looks as though you have a slight, almost invisible, tear on your L5 S1 
uh, joint that's on your, your vertebrae. And it's not a common thing at your age at all, unless you're uh, morbidly obese and very uh, sedentary. I thought COVID, maybe I was sedentary, but no, I, that's not why. I asked him more questions. I'm like, you know, in a haze. And I was just like, well, what does that mean now? And he's like, well, it actually probably means this other part that is, um, it's this tear in like the jelly part between your, your spine, the bones, right? Your uh, spinal fluid, your whole entire life is supposed to stay in that jelly substance. And it's never in your bloodstream or in your body. And so a tear and a leak of the, the spinal fluid, it causes a person like me who has a very strong immune system, according to my blood work, to f- make my body freak out and think I have some type of toxin or poison. And it made my body decide, I'm going to shut your legs down. And he left and my doctor came later the next day and we talked about a plan of my exit strategy and what to do. And again, these spiritual things that, that happen, a friend of mine, um, Kira Von Sutra, another uh, friend of mine who's a witch and a, a reader and a really powerful, magical person, really touched my heart because I know that she has a lot of anxiety going out in the world. And she came to that fucking hospital. Mm. And she brought all this like magical stuff, uh, stones, um, candle, and a book mm. about uh, about Loki. Because there's the things that also happen too. I learned so much about the shape shifting and the ability of how I transform and transcend the things that have happened to me my whole fucking life. Mm. And I got that book, and I felt like it again, like the Santa Muerte. The Loki book, it felt like I got hit in the face. Mm. The message was so clear. And I identified for myself a new chapter in my life where I was like, I have just been given the most direct and clear signs from my God and my goddess. I have gotten messages from my friend who died. I have gotten these gifts of cards and so many flowers and so many people holding my hand and walking with me and all these messages online. A lot of dreams that happened or would eventually happen over time. And I wasn't sure when I would leave the hospital because uh, week two on the fifth day, I had a bad day. I had been alone all day. My medicine was um, my fucking 15 medications had made it really difficult for me to use the bathroom. Mm. I uh, had to wait a long time for every meal that I ordered. I had almost fallen from um, being in the bathroom and I couldn't sit anymore Mm. and wait for a nurse to come. And I tried to stand up uh, holding the bar and I, uh, when they came in, I was on the floor and luckily I didn't like fall. I just kind of like slowly went down (laughs) and it felt so stupid. (laughs) And I was laying there by myself for less than five minutes, uh, probably less than even 60 seconds. But it, it's those moments where you're like, I'm going to make fun of myself now. Mm -hmm. And I, 
was talking to myself out loud. I was like, you fucking idiot. Like, why don't you get a life alert? Like, help, I've fallen and I can't, I can't get, get up. up. No, that's the voice that I, I, I was using. And I was like, Jesus Christ, dude, like slow down. That day was just, it was, it was really blah. And my partner couldn't come visit me and I didn't have any visitors. Mm. And I was just like unable to sleep and I didn't want to do any of the Zoom calls or talk to anybody. I didn't want to talk to anyone on the phone until I realized my best friend in Arizona, I hadn't told her what happened to me. And I felt like shit. I excused it at first. Like I have a, a best friend, she'll be 80, you know? And then, cause at that time she wasn't 80 yet. And I don't want to like give her stress or put that on her. But calling her was the, the best thing to do that day. I didn't even like, she didn't even have to ask. I was just like, I'm so sorry. This fucking sucks. I hate how this makes my partner feel. My mm. brothers are scared. My, my life is just like a big question mark right now. And I said all this shit and it was like word vomit, word vomit, word vomit. I stopped and she goes, are you done? And she goes, Zachariah, my brother, my friend, you are a powerful being. You are so powerful. And this will be a thing of the past. And I love you. And it's going to be okay. And she was right. The next day, um, day six of week two, I was better. I felt lighter. I walked 35 steps from my door and back, um, pretty much unassisted. My doctor had come again and I, I told her I was excited. I was like, I, this is crazy. I've like tripled in the, the improvement of like being able to move. I don't know what, what's going on. And she's like, well, I think you should think about how you're going to go home. Mm. I think you're going to be all right. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to fucking Willy Wonka this shit, you know, <laughs> somersault the fuck out of here. So <laughs> I kept, I kept getting in my wheelchair um, you know, in a hospital, there's always a lot going on mm. on this floor. They had somebody that was a 5150. It was difficult to deal with that for the whole two weeks. And I'm only mentioning it last for this part of the story mm. because they were there the whole time I was there. They were loud. They were obnoxious. They needed attention. Mm. They, they also were a person who was transitioning and was transgender and had yelled at the nurses who were so fucking nice. Like I heard, I heard her, which is what her pronoun is. I heard her say, my pronoun is they, them, and she, her, and you better say it right. You fucking bitch. They were fed up with her by the end of the first week. And it was so to the point that I couldn't sleep sometimes at night because mm. she was yelling about having visions or seeing things in her room or a person trying to sit on her bed or touch her or whatever. Wow. And I'm sharing this part last before the end of the story because I was the next day, the, almost the, the last day, my walker, I went out of my room and I pushed myself to do an entire loop of that floor and come back to my room. And I had to stroll by that person's room. And I looked in and I made eye contact and 
at the time, like they had been like belligerently yelling and stuff. And then we made eye contact and they stopped and they were like, who are you? And I was like, who are you? And we talked for two minutes. I said, you know, it's, it's a lot nicer to hear your voice at this level. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm right up the hall from you and it's hard to sleep sometimes, but I am sorry that you're, you, you are going through so much pain. And they started crying and I started crying. And they said, thank you. You're really fucking nice. And I said, goodbye. And I moved on. I go back to my room. The night, you know, unfolds. My partner comes to the hospital and I tell him, I'm going to get out of here tomorrow. And I, I knew he didn't really like believe it a hundred percent. And I was like, do you believe me? And he goes, I believe in you. Yeah, I do believe in you. And if you, if you think you're going to get out tomorrow, then I, I believe what you're saying. And that's what I really like about him is that he is my skeptic and my science nerd, but he loves to test the theory of intuition and perception. I'm able to like prove and just, it happens, you know, and I'm grateful for that. So that night I was in bed and I woke up to a thunderstorm and it was, you know, a time when it didn't really, you know, it doesn't rain that much. In Ever. Florida. Yeah. And we had, a, the drought <laughs> was pretty bad. Right. So, it was like the yeah. driest year. <laughs> yeah. Thunderstorm. And a lot of rain. And I saw a lot of lightning outside and I could see the mountains and the flashes. And I was like, oh, this is like, this is totally like supercharging me getting the fuck out of here. Yeah. And the, the rain continued into the next day. I got up and I was mobile. I started to tell them, I want to check out. I do want to go home. I'm ready to get out of here. And it was this stupid, long, like, transition of trying to get out of there because there was these nurses that hadn't worked with me and I had to go through these policies and procedures. They didn't, uh, they wanted to like have approval from the charge nurse that I could eat or do whatever I did every day before. And it was just dumb shit like that. And I was like, I need to get out of here. Oh my God. And so I got my uh, release forms. They took out my IV and this really nice nurse rolled me down with my partner to the front of the hospital and I got in the car and I had the thought I was in this car two weeks ago and I couldn't sit here and now I'm I'm going home and I know when I go home I will heal even faster I'll have my magic and my home and my energy and my space I made sure to tell my partner I was like I told you I was going to have my Willy Wonka moment pull up towards the driveway and I want you to record a video of me getting out of that fucking car. And I did. It's still online. It's me yeah. getting out of that car. And I'm like, ha. Yeah. And I mean, there's there's a lot of other stuff. And I know that's like a really long story, but all the other things just are so complimentary to the things that I had to point out. Again, be vulnerable, allow people to take care of you, but mm. also realize that the power that you have within you comes from that space of an unaltered, unmoved, unchanged, natural state of being that you were born into this world with. And that was the gift that I feel as though I was given in the hospital to realize and see and have. Yeah. And it stuck with me. And I said pretty much every day, and I still say it after I told my therapist the other day, I was like, I, I'm a different person because that happened to me. I am forever changed. I will yeah. never forget what it was like to use a walker 
after getting home and having the awareness of the things that I didn't see before for people who are, you know, differently abled and like having a walker and using it in a downtown area, the sidewalks fucking suck. People don't give a shit that you can't be mobile like they are on two legs. There's these things that you start to see because you're in this condition to be aware. And I even, you know, I I went and saw saw fucking Elvira that one of those days. And it was just so surreal to have this whole two week period of a lot of days that I didn't think I'd ever walk again to a lot of these weird freaky things and good things and anger and crying and blah, blah, blah. I did, um, I did therapy for a couple months. I decided to end it early instead of doing the whole three months. I did the same thing, like walked without a walker eventually. And all the steps I could take were from my porch down the stairs to the end of my driveway and back. And it was the same feeling at the hospital of fuck, is it, is it going to always be like this? Mm. And then I had to catch myself and I was like, no, you are fucking powerful and you are home. Every day I had improvements. Every Mm. day I walked further and further. Every day the physical therapist would walk with me. And then it, it got to the point where I didn't need her to hold my hand for support. I didn't need to have a steady pace or Mm. have to think about my body mechanics or how I was moving. I could do all my physical exercises and things by myself without shaking. I got off the steroids. I got off the meds all like every day progressed into these victories. And all I could think about was I'm letting people take care of me. I'm being honest and vulnerable about where I am and what's going on at all times. Mm. I'm even thinking ahead or thinking outside of myself in ways of like, I am so sorry if my pain and what I'm going through is affecting you and it makes you worry for me and I'll be okay. Mm. You know, like it's don't worry. It's okay. You know, Um, I had never really done that. But it's it stuck with me and it changed me. And it's had this effect of making it easier for me to say a lot of things like I fucked up or I'm sorry or I love you or I'm so grateful for you in my life or thank you so much for believing in me. Thank you for supporting me. We take so much for granted. And it's like the, the people I've seen that have had life-changing moments, some of them have a turnaround in recovery and it's like, they didn't learn shit. I know people who have died and come back and went right back to being a piece of shit person, if not worse. But I'm here in this like weird chapter that was closing for a new one to open. And I thought about, I had a near death experience as a child. I had a lot of weird trauma that I grew up with. And the thing that turned it all around that helped me release it was this fucking weird thing of going to the hospital because I couldn't walk and all the pieces and dots were connected to that pivotal moment in my life. And it brought so much shit together that made so much sense. And I, that's, it's a beautiful gift. And I, I think about it like now, and I've thought about it in the past, like maybe a month ago, would I, would I feel this way or have this type of like awareness or gratitude or these things to say about it that are more positive if I was using a walker or had like a different 
ability after coming home, if it was permanent. And honestly, I, I really think that emotional and spiritual shift that happened was so profound. I really do think that, yeah, it would suck. Mm. Yeah, it would alter certain things. But I feel like, too, it would make me fight harder for certain things and fight not just for me, but for people who, yeah, maybe they use a walker. Maybe they're in a wheelchair. Maybe people need to be fucking nice to each other, you know? And that's the the fucking catchphrase that I say at a lot of the things I write at the end. I say, just don't be a piece of shit. And the hospital for me was a little bit of like, maybe I've been a piece of shit. Maybe I need to like look inward. Maybe I need to to do some checks and balances. And I'm really grateful I got to do that. And I'm really grateful that I got to share this with the two of you. I probably sound like a creep, but I went to the bathroom and I didn't get on camera right away or microphone, but I listened to the two of you talking and I texted my partner as I was listening. And I said, these two are like soulmates in a really kooky, fun friend way, you know? And I was just like, it's so cute and so touching to hear them and their connection and their friendship. And I think it's really, it's really special. And I think a lot of people could learn a lot about having a good friend from the two of you, you know? So thank you. In loving memory of Sally Jobeth Saxton. Chapter two, we like to call it new spiritual journey comes with new spirits. As we continue our discussion with Zachariah and his journey, we learn that he has regained his ability to walk, but it hasn't stopped him right there. Back in October, 2021, Zachariah was still able to produce and perform at the beauty and burlesque performance starring Miss Tosh, our favorite burlesque dancer. To follow would be Tiki Noir, along with another performance of Ghosts of the Pasts, set in Heritage Square, all while continuing his services for his readings, along with his services as the head mystic at the Mystic Museum. But ahead of his journey, it seemed like he would have more than just a living knocking on his door once more. He would also have the spirits. Let's sit down with Zachariah as he discusses his projects, especially his readings within the Cecil, the Queen Mary, the Whiskey A Go Go, and so much more. I didn't understand how much would just continue to happen, and I had to let it happen. You know, I did the the Beauty of Burlesque show. I then ended up doing. Um, I did the the Cecil and, you know, that was like its own odd experience because I didn't know who the people were that were filming at all. I knew that Linda wanted me to be there to some capacity and then they had me come in and it's, it's in the video. Like I'm there as Linda's like spiritual bodyguard. Yeah. Basically. But I also was there to be there and be a part of the team and like go through all the different rooms. And it was so weird that I was so led by so many things that I didn't know at all. I just went with my intuition and was like, this room, we need to go here. We need to do this. 
it just all this evidence that came forward and I didn't feel the things that people always obsess about with that place. Yeah. I, I didn't want to focus on the whole like Richard Ramirez thing. I didn't want to focus on, you know, Elisa Lamb. Mm -hmm. I also have to say this part too, which is the Cecil is, yeah, it's, it's got a lot of dark history, but there's a lot of history happening in present day right now around that place. And it's all of Skid Row. Yes. All of these invisible people. And I had that thought in that hotel where I was like, man, how long has this been going on where these poor people, lost people, hurting people, wandering here to try to be off the street, all the shit's going on here for years and years and years. And then you got the murders and the disappearances and the suicides. And I'm on this, this YouTube channel, which I love those guys. I really do. But Mm -hmm. I, I had that like existential thought of like, I'm, and now I'm sitting here making it a spectacle. But, you know, I wasn't, we weren't really like trying to do that at all. It was just like, oh, what was that? You know? So, yeah. but yeah, that place um, really had that impact where I was like, it brought me down to a reality about how LA and downtown LA is definitely a dark place. And that's just, that's the truth. I've, I've gotten out of a car parking in an alleyway behind the globe and I had I went to get out of the driver's side and I had to stop and go out the passenger side because had I stepped down, all these hypodermic needles were there in the crack of the concrete. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? You know, this is an epidemic. Yeah. And that's to me, like, those are our ghosts, the things that we try to ignore, the things that we try to hide and smother and make disappear. Those are the ghosts of this city, the people that we're not paying attention to, the things that we need to change. You know, it's... It hurts. And I wish I wish that I could do something. I wish we could all just like wave a wand and do some witchcraft and Yeah. There. Well, we can't process what's really happening because I heard this quote and I always repeat it in my mm. head. I can't remember the name of the gentleman that wrote this in his book. Um, our perfe- our perception does not favor reality. Exactly. And we cannot process death. We cannot process what we think of the paranormal with reality we just Mm -hmm. cannot process that at all yeah Yeah. so we try to water it down by making up these stories of demons and ghosts when really it's like it's right in front of us happening and you're so right that history is there outside like it's one of those things that i've told you too is the cecil hotel a hotel that's Mm -hmm. truly haunted or is it a hotel that we want it so bad to be Mm -hmm. haunted yeah I agree. It's like the the repetition of telling these ghost stories is also in some way what manifests and creates the things that people think they're experiencing a lot of the time, you know, truly, because there's places that it is funny if you think about it. And I'm sure you've experienced this or seen it or found like the proof where a person or a group of people in a town will say this house is haunted because there's a, a story that somebody was murdered and blah, 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 blah. No, and yeah. every, everybody that goes there, they're like, oh, my God, we're getting evidence. Oh, my God, we're getting this. Oh, my God, this is happening. And then you get somebody who does the fact checking in history and they're just like, that never happened. Yeah. So what is it? You know, what is it a manifestation of your psyche? Is it you hoping so much that it's, this is real because you can't deal with the fact that maybe it's just not haunted? You know, I don't know. But yeah, the same the same with the Cecil and downtown. It's like we are distracted by these horrors that we make up that are fantasies and 
it's because reality is, is too heavy. Yeah. Reality is too heavy. Mm-hmm. That is a good way to put it. Yeah. It definitely is. But that's all. I mean, there's not a whole lot to say about the Cecil, except uh, Linda is terrified of rats. So, <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm, And mm-hmm. that is the reality. <laughs> yeah. There was a lot outside. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're big. <laughs> They're like little dogs. <laughs> So you did the Cecil Hotel. What did you, what did you pick up from the Cecil while doing your walkthrough? Like, what energies did you feel were there? Was it one mm. of those things that it, it was absorbed in the walls and it's just repetitious, residual, mm. or is it just something that people just continuously just bring in and leave behind there? Mm. Certain floors and certain rooms. Um, what I picked up on was so opposite of the focal points of the team that I was with. And the only reason I noticed that is because I'm pretty much silent for the entire thing, except, except a few moments. Mm -hmm. And it was intentional because I was like, I don't want to like be the contrarian. I don't want to go against what they're trying to do right now. I don't need to prove anything to anybody, Hmm. but the things that I did pick up on, like if I was in a space, on a floor that wasn't popular with all the legends. And I I think it was the sixth or seventh floor. I went down a hallway with just two other people. And it was because I knew that there was a a figure or a spirit of a man that was going kind of back and forth, like peeping out of a room. And I told them that, and they pointed the SLS device in that direction. And then the stick figure is like, hey, you know. And then we went in that room And then there were two things on the SLS that were just hanging out there. And it was like this whole thing that happened where they were like, whoa, what the fuck? And I was like, yeah, the the things that you focused on aren't really the things that are are here. There's just Mm. people that are either trapped or they're lost or they're confused. And yeah, there's a lot of sadness. You can tell there was a lot of mental illness that had been in that place and a lot of addiction. And there there were some really like, gnarly shadow beings in there too but they always go to dark places like that you know they feed on that shit but Mm -hmm. overall you know we did the the evp session to try to communicate with uh the richard ramirez and there were things that had come through i just didn't i didn't think it was really him right i didn't exactly um that's that's i mean that's it there wasn't it wasn't a lot of like detailed specific things but what I did know was that I found myself in in my mind and in my spirit communicating to whatever I would pick up on a lot and I would just say I'm I'm sorry for what you've gone through mm. and I hope that you find peace yeah I'm, I'm sorry for what's happened to you and I hope that you have found peace and that's all I wanted you know that's all, that's, that's all you can tell them yeah I was on an investigation where someone said that this is a person who's never investigated before. And it was the sweetest just saying that he had during an EVP session out of all the, give me a sign of your presence. How did you die? Do you know that you're dead? And, and this one person was like, I, I'm sure that at one point you were a living, breathing being and Mm -hmm. I'm sorry for whatever happened to you, Mm -hmm. but I hope that one day you find peace. And that was like the most, pure and honest and real evp session just with that person alone yeah that that level of um that level of empathy yes you get so much than just negativity yes Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Yes, it, absolutely. It does, it does shine through. It that's that's what worked really well on the Queen Mary. Oof. It really did, you know. Let's segue into the Queen Mary. So yeah. was it with TFIL, right? Or yeah, was the it over, the overnight channel? Yep. Oh, so, so, so what TFIL happened? TFIL branched off uh, around the time of their Cecil Hotel investigation and created the overnight channel to focus oh. on, to just focus on the paranormal. Wow. So right. they have overnight, they have TFIL. So okay. overnight, yeah, they contacted myself and Linda. We were invited to the Queen Mary and they wanted me to uh, open a circle to draw in the spirits from the pool that had not been accessed or opened by anyone for a really long time for any investigations. I am very surprised that they opened that to you because there was another huge, huge YouTuber who went to the Queen Mary two years ago and they refused to open that section. Mm -hmm. So I'm surprised that you guys got access. I I really was too. Um, I don't, I don't know how they were able to, to make that happen, but they did have like some, some rules where they were like, the doors can be opened and you can only come in through the door to like this point right here on the floor. Because the issue that that area has is a lot of instability and it's basically kind of crumbling in there, you know? Wow. Yeah. It's not safe. So I did this like preparation and I was waiting for them while they did their like intros and their editing and the stuff that they do. And then they come down as if they're surprised that we're there and they greet us, you know, like it's all the stuff that they do behind the scenes. Right. (laughs) And they're like, here's Zachariah. He's going to call a circle to get the spirits everywhere on the ship to come from the pool out into the rest of the ship, you know? And I did the usual calling a circle, calling the directions and then inviting the spirits to join us. And uh, the REM pods were going crazy. The, the devices were just like the direction I was, I forget which one I called that just immediately went off when I said what I said. Wow. And then it did it again. And, you know, they're all just like, what, what's going on? And I was like, this is what you wanted me to do, you know? <laughs> and then they immediately, when I was done doing that, they started getting stuff on all the devices, the SLS. I was like, let's go into the pool area. Okay, over to the right, there is a, a man in here and he's here by this pillar. And the, the SLS picked up that person being there. Whoa. And it's cool to have that validation, but Mm. it also is the part that people don't realize that I don't always talk about, which is I'm in this moment having this experience and they don't know how nasty this motherfucker is. He's like, get out. I don't want you in here. This is my space, you know? Damn. But I didn't want to do that. Yeah. Because it turns into that the whole episode. It's going to run with it. Are you evil? Are you, mm-hmm. are you, are you a diamond? <laughs> yeah. So I just, I just acknowledged it and we moved on, you know? Good. And then uh, we split up into groups. It was like Linda and a bunch of people. And then it was myself and Elton and Corey. Hmm. And we went to some different areas and, you know, there were things that had happened, but it was just kind of like really calm and, uh, we ended up in this this one room that was next to the room where like a person, some people were murdered. Uh, for some reason, that door had been opening all night just fine, and then when we were going to go in there, it wouldn't open. Oh, was it room B three forty? Yeah. Oh, okay. And so 
uh, we went to the the room next door and just, I was like, we can just, we'll be next door and it, it, we'll still get something or someone to come through. And it's like I said, the empathy out of nowhere, I remember we were sitting there and nothing was really happening. And then the flashlight started doing the thing. And then the REM pod had gone off. And then the camera guy was getting creeped out. <laughs> and then I'm saying all the things that I'm picking up on as all these things are happening. And then out of nowhere, Elton starts to really come down to this level of like, uh, he's talking to a child as if it's like there and he's inviting it to uh, be a part of what we're doing. And hey, here's this teddy bear. And hey, don't be scared. Like really taking this like to heart in a way of empathizing with who this might be. Right. And for the first time ever, uh, from what I was told, they've had this, like that bear that will, you know, if oh, it moves. Yeah. the boo bear, <laughs> they had never gotten it to go off at other locations. But after he did that, it beeped. Wow. And they were both like, what the hell, you know? And we did this goofy thing in that room and uh, danced around or whatever we did. And I felt the shift in the room. And then I was like, okay, the aggro nasty person is starting to come this way because the energy of these two children that are here, they like fled basically. And I felt that fucker behind me. And again, I didn't mention it the way I'm mentioning it to you, but nasty. I like my skin, my, I felt my, like my skin was crawling, you know? And I was like, we can go now, you know? Yeah. And I was like, you can stay in here, dude, you know? And we left. And then it just kind of like wrapped up with us um, talking and exiting and doing whatever. And there was things that happened on Linda's team and some other things that had come forward. And it was, it's a really haunted place. And I decided uh, like later that week to read about some of the history of the Queen Mary not the legends, but like just actual documented police reports or things mm. that were from their website. Yeah. And I was, I was like, oh my God, this is like nightmare fuel. Like the fact that a guy was dismembered in his room and a security person was outside and he's screaming, it's tearing me apart. Oh my God, it's killing me. And they go in the next day and he's in pieces. Oh my God. What room was that in? And I don't remember which room it was, but <gasps> it's, it's a true story. It's, it's on the, oh. the, the I guys, have never heard of yeah, that. <gasps> the guy's name is on the wall on that oh one area of the God. ship. <sighs> and then the children that were murdered by the dad and the, the wife. And I'm just like, Oh Jesus Christ. Like there's a lot of fucked up shit here, you know? Right. So that, but, that did occur. The, the murder of the two children. Yeah. Oh, wow. The cook. Do you know that story? I've heard very bleakly. I know that our friend uh, Mitchell Ralston mm-hmm. brought him up a long time ago, but what if you can recount it for us? There was a, a cook that had been hired when it was a naval ship and right. he had to make food for the, the entire fleet. So there was a mutiny because they, they hated this guy and what he was making. Mm-hmm. They hated oh, him. So no. they threw him in the oven in the kitchen and killed <gasps> him. Jesus. Head first. Yeah. Oh, horrible. I have a picture um, that one of our listeners had sent. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to, I'm going (laughs) to, 
It's the oven. Surprise. Stop it. It's a Kenmore. Oh my God. It's new. Oh my gosh. So uh, this listener said, I mean, it was one of those things where her and her daughters went to the Queen Mary and it was just an innocent trip. It was just her venturing to go see the ship. It was during the day. Mm -hmm. And um, she said that she um, was out on the outside deck of the ship and it wasn't a tour it wasn't just like a hit like a ghost tour mm-hmm. they were just like i just wanted to take pictures with my daughters on this top portion of the ship so i'm going to show you this picture okay out of respect and privacy for the listener i blocked out the ch- her daughter's faces but i'm going to ask you guys if you see something in the background okay. oh there's, there's what okay i'm going to zoom it in yeah i'm going to show you the zoomed in version oh god Oh dear. So this listener has promised me that they were by themselves. It was like in the middle of the week when the ship was open and they were taking this little stroll on the deck Mm -hmm. and no one was around. And they were, I think the children, her children are posed in front of a, uh, one of those like guns or weapons on the ship because it was, you know, a naval ship at one point. And looking back on pictures from that time period uh back when it was shipping out military personnel Mm -hmm. they did look like that here this is the picture of what those guys look like weird yeah and it looks like this gentleman is wearing possibly like a life jacket and some sort of a helmet or hat like a naval hat okay (laughs) yeah (laughs) Zachariah's like, like, I'm taking it in. I'm processing. (laughs) But yeah, I feel like it's one of those places where I I really believe like it is very haunted. It has a lot of spirits. And I feel like it's one of those things where we um, don't get the history or don't get the legends correct or or whatnot. But um, but yeah, there's definitely a lot of things that linger on that ship. A lot of great full body apparition accounts. There were, there's a lot of those kind of accounts that people have shared, uh, not all, obviously not all of them have been able to get a photo, but those are a really common occurrence that I've heard people have experiences where they're like, I was walking down a hallway, I was staying there in the hotel of the ship, and I was walking down at night, and a woman was walking towards me, and then she walked past me and she was gone. <gasps> oh. I turned around and she was gone. Yeah. Or I saw mm-hmm. a guy in like a captain's outfit, but it looked out of place because it didn't seem like the right era. And he turned a corner and disappeared. Like, ugh, you know, that is crazy. Yeah. And the, the thing about that place too, is like, I don't feel that there's any, um, maybe there's some, but the majority of those hauntings seem to be more intelligent, not mm. a residual. They seem to be aware they seem to be like, I, I go here, I do this. This is like what I do all the time. Like, this is my space, you know? Right. And that's that's the vibe I have every time I've been there. I'm just like, oh my God. Ugh. What you is know. your opinion? Um, I know people have different stances and opinions on this. Um, why are spirits attached mm. to a certain place like that? Especially if they're intelligent, how come they can't move on? What is mm. your stance on that? I, I feel like there's this... Uh, this we have as human beings that are alive, you know, we are able to make a lot of choices. And I, I think as a spirit or as a person that's on the other side, there's ability, there's the ability to choose, but there's also 
an unfinished thing or uh, something that needs to be resolved, or there's also this mm -hmm. gap in their awareness of the fact that like all the time that has passed in mm -hmm. our time, maybe to them, it feels like it's just yesterday that they died and they haven't been there for that long and they don't right. know what to do next. Right. And they never heard from their family or got that like resolution mm -hmm. or resolve, you know? But I do think that the attachments that come with a place like that are because of how much that ship was utilized for so many things and the, the energy that it harnessed and the fact that it's in a body of water and it's like that, that's the conductor type of thing, you know? Yeah. It's just, it's, it's no surprise to me that they are attached to that place. And mm -hmm. I also feel too, that some of them really, they like being there. Yeah, they do. That's the what ball, I feel. Like the ballroom ghosts, like, yeah, dancing, <laughs> dancing around and shit, having a party, you know, yeah. it's very like the shining. It's creepy. You know, yes. Dark Zone did an investigation years ago uh, with two investigators, one of them being Jeff Belanger, and they had done something really intelligent. They had hired two actors, a man and a woman mm. to dress up in 1930s wow. where they portrayed and kind of decorated the ballroom like it was a big dance. Whoa. And they recreated using music from that time period that was famous. They played the music while the couple danced around and activity in that area shifted from zero to 100 when they were doing that. So yeah. they were sensing and, and noticing like equipment going off like crazy when the music was playing and the dancing was happening. It was really astonishing so that's really cool yeah. that you you picked up on the ballroom ghosts oh big time i actually uh on the queen mary that was the one of the because they they will ask you like uh you're on this team and then where do you want to go mm. if you if you get to choose from this like list of places and i had in my mind even before i stepped foot on that ship that night i was like i want to i do want to go to the ballroom i, I want to check it out i want to do something in there you know and on my team, we never ended up going there, but I found out later after this, the two, was it three parts? I think it was two part of the, the Queen Mary. Um, I think there's two, yeah. In the, in the first part, I didn't know this, but the ballroom was where these two witches did some type of ritual in, oh. in that room. And it did something to like have different types of spirits come in and assist mm. and provide like energy and some other, I don't remember exactly what they did, but I was like, okay, it's, it is funny that I was not even on the ship. And I'm like, why do I want to go to the ballroom? Why do I want to be there? You know? Right. Wow. And I never found that out until, you know, weeks or whatever later when these videos started coming out and I was just like, oh, okay. Interesting. <laughs> you know, <laughs> But it is very haunted. It is very, um, I don't know, man, like certain places. Yeah. I don't, I don't like being in the area where the explosion happened and all those lives, you know, yeah, pe people were hurt and yeah. really that had to be so terrifying. And the kitchen had this, like, it felt like just a dead space. Mm. It was just like, Ooh, what happened in here? You know? Yeah. Like why, why, why do I don't feel anything in here, but at yeah. the same time, it's like a palpable nothing. Mm -hmm. And then yeah, you know, the pool, like it's very clear that there's a lot of stuff going on in there. And there's a lot of different types of spirits that have wandered around. They have a place, a purpose. They they like what they like. They do what they do. And some of them just really want to fuck with you. 
Did you pick up on, I'm sure everybody's probably asking, did you pick up on the ghost of little Jackie? I have my thoughts about her, but. (laughs) No, I I, I didn't. I didn't ever have other than the the children that were in the room with us that um, had appeared. Okay. This, the specific one of Jackie, no, it's, you know, like, again, it makes me wonder, like, are the legends trying to push a story or a narrative? Yeah. You know, based that's kind of contrasting the evidence that you actually get. Exactly. Um, I don't ever want to try to force something and say that, oh, it was a little girl spirit. So that means it was probably, uh, it was Jackie, you know, it's like, no, I didn't get that at all. It was uh, very clear to me who they, who they were in their family dynamic and that the tragedy had occurred to them because of the father and all that stuff. And I was like, ew, gross. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, very, very haunted place. I was really grateful to have a different type of role going into that, that whole ship and being a part of it. And it is pretty, it's kind of crazy how these videos of these accounts like overnight and TFIL and some other YouTubers, like the following and the audience that they have and the reach that they've acquired. Yeah, mm-hmm. It's just, it's so crazy that I did this like video after the Cecil and it's, the people that will be like, Oh my God, I saw you on this. And Oh my God, you're Zachariah. Oh my God. Well, you know, it's like, <laughs> they do um, have, they have a massive following. I mean, there mm-hmm. are people that really just, yeah. they just want to go straight into the overnight and see what, yeah. who's going to be thrown against the wall, I guess you yeah. could say, or yeah. what can manifest. And they yeah. really, they've really, uh, they've really grown and evolved and become uh, more professional with the things that they use and the methods that they mm. they go about doing things, and also the history that they can bring forward in the the videos that they've been making. Um, that Elton has narrated before each video, he'll share like a lot of the history of a place, and then they do the the investigation. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's like watching a TV show. It's really cool. Yeah, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> And then we were a part of a little investigation ourselves. We brought it up with a spooky foodie, but yes. I'm sure all of our listeners want to know, Zachariah, what did you pick up at the Whiskey A Go-Go when we investigated with spooky foodie? I mean, at first, you know, we, we had to wait for the, the band to finish and all that stuff. Oh yeah. And then a lot of the, the feeling there, it was like, I don't know who you are. Hmm. I am only used to the people who've, who've worked here and are always here. And I'm just going to watch you from across this space. Mm. And if you come near me, I'm going to migrate elsewhere. Mm. And that is a lot of what ended up happening was there would be uh, something in an area and maybe we would get a small reading or something would happen for a second, but then it would leave. Yeah. And it just, it, it wanted nothing to do with us. You know, I remember but, every room we would go into, it was like, Ooh, we feel something. And then mm-hmm. it just like, okay, we got a little bump in the little device and then it, Oh, this room is clear. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I, uh, I didn't pick up on any specific, uh, people or spirits, but there was, you know, that creative energy that like, I remember, uh, one of the rooms it was, um, it was like a decade that stuck out to me the most. I think it was like the seventies where I was like, Hmm, I'm thinking of like that rock and roll seventies vibe. And like this, I could see people in here smoking and sitting around talking and and drinking. And those were the types of things that came to me. It was like that familiarity of like that backstage kind of vibe. Right. And it's a, it's cool to like 
have that still be there because it still is a venue that does live music and shows. And I did feel that the spirits that might be there, whether they are a former musician or whoever they have been or were, all of them really love that art form. All of them really uh, are energized when those shows are going on. And yeah. all of them are very protective of the staff there. So I, uh, I, I liked it, but at the same time, it, it was just kind of like, well, you can't force them to talk to you, but mm -hmm. it didn't feel bad. It didn't feel uh, uh, malicious. It never had a, a, a tone of like, get the fuck out of here. You know, it was just more so like, I'm not interested. Yeah. You know, I'm just here to watch the band. Bye. Yeah. Yeah. It, that's really, you know, and then we got some personal stories from the people who had worked there for some time and they hinted at the same things or said the same things where they were like, you know, I, I didn't experience it until I was like working here for a few months or something, or, you know, yeah. it's like a very obvious that they, they, they're a little picky about who they will present themselves to, you know, exactly. It, it's, yeah. it's funny how that works, but maybe that's a rock star <laughs> attitude, you know, Yeah, <laughs> that's what I thought, but it was fun. Yeah. And that was the first time I uh, had met Ainsley and her partner too. So mm -hmm. It was a pretty interesting experience. I hope to go mm -hmm. back there again to do more in-depth investigations. Yeah. But yeah, that that whole place, that whole strip has a lot of history and has a lot, I'm sure, a lot of energy that circulates in and out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The Boulevard of Broken Dreams. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and Definitely. tell us about your investigation with H3. <clears throat> I just saw this video a couple of days ago and it got pretty intense towards the middle to end mm -hmm. it seemed like it was just warming up in the beginning and then mm -hmm. shit literally hit the fan so where yeah. what where were you guys i've never heard of this place it's a place called mentryville and it was um the history of it is that it is the first boom town that started in california which oh, then wow. which then created the you know that snowball effect of other boom towns and mining places popping up all around here so it's I didn't know that though like I go to mm. these places that I get invited to and all I all I got because that's all I want is an address and the address that I ended up driving to is at the end of this like fork <laughs> in the road in the middle of nowhere under these like foothills and I'm like <laughs> I don't have cell service <laughs> I'm gonna assume I just go this way down this this road and I was right and I drive in and it's like a big farmhouse a barn a schoolhouse in the back, a chicken coop, another wow. building. And I'm just like, what is this place? <laughs> okay. And then I park and I meet, I meet the people and uh, H3 and Ethan Klein and his people. And I didn't know anything about them either. You know, mm. I, I really didn't. So all I was uh, told ahead of time was uh, we we tend to be a co comedy channel and the people on this channel are all skeptics pretty much and they yeah. all joke they all joke around a lot and I was like okay that's fine and so I meet them and they begin and I mean straight out the gate it, it's true that it's that is a very obvious fact that they do joke around because Ethan is starting the intro and all the information that he's sharing about the family that was there and they disappeared and their car was there. It's like, none of that is real, you know? <laughs> and I, I know it's not real because I, I looked it up later and I was like, 
that's not, that's no. not accurate. <laughs> but it was like the thing that they did to try to set it up to make it spooky. And to mm. also, they were focused a lot on the other guy named Zach to freak him out, you know? Yeah, so I noticed they, were, that. <laughs> they really wanted to do that. And yeah. it's always like a thing that they will try to do. Mm-hmm. And so um, they introduced Linda, they introduced me, you know, they ask like, whatever questions it's just it's it's obvious that this is going to be the energy of the night is very much going to be like this it's going to be like kind of not serious Mm. and and that's just how it was you know Mm -hmm. I had been setting up the seance table and the area in the barn before we ever started filming and I uh, I was by myself while I was doing that and it did take me a minute and um I heard footsteps uh, downstairs on the wooden floor beneath me. And it was like back and forth a couple times. And I knew that nobody was there because I could hear all their voices all the way on the other side of the property. And wow. then I looked out the big like barn door thing and they were all over there, you know? Yeah. And so I'm just like, all right, whatever you're walking around and I'm setting up the, the space. And then I feel like zoom, like two people watching what I'm doing. Wow. And I got goosebumps all down my back and like that static feeling. And I was like, hi, Jesus Christ. You know, <laughs> I'm like, we're about to try to talk to you. If you want to hang out and maybe appear or approach, feel free. I'll be back later. You know, I don't tell the, the team any of this shit except the footsteps part. So, um, we ended up in the barn. We we started the seance and it was just all jokes, all fucking off, all all kinds of stuff. And on top of it, it's edited out a lot of a lot of times. And I'll just tell you, but I also called it out every time I could tell that they were tapping their foot to try to fabricate a sound. Oh no. Somebody wow. threw like something that was on the floor. Uh there was there's shit that they did where I was like, I know that was a person. Like yeah. stop. Stop fucking around. Yeah. And then the helicopter thing happened. And then like the moth and the candle thing happened and all the laughing and joking around. And it was like the beginning of the seance, the feeling of like, okay, it's initiated and they're looking all the joking though, is what made them leave. Uh, There was no respect. There was no uh, desire to stay and have communication because they're like, you're not going to listen. You know, mm. why, why would I talk to you? You know? Yeah. Their focus was being funny. Yeah. And that's what I felt like the very first, like, what is it? 30 minutes of the, yeah. of the video. Yeah. And there's a, there's a whole like orchestrated part that I was, uh, I was keyed in on where, you know, they had brought this like dummy head and they wanted to make oh, it. Oh, I a, saw that. <laughs> they wanted to make it a, a thing. And I like, I like, you know, I decided to go with it and it was fun for them. And I was just like, this is so dumb, but okay. So, <laughs> um, we decided to leave that space. Then we went to the schoolhouse and I had stared at that schoolhouse when I first pulled up in the car and I was walking across to go to the, the to meet everybody. I just kept looking back at it. I was like, Ugh, you know, like something didn't sit right. What is it about that building? And then I knew that going into it. So when we went, when we went in the schoolhouse and they wanted me to recreate the thing that we did in the barn, but make it just like easier, more simple. Um, we sat in a circle and called out and tried to see what was there. And 
a lot of quiet stuff. And then some of the things would go off the, the REM pod, certain things would kind of happen. The candle flame got really big at one point and then went down. Um, and then Ethan decided uh, after a spirit directly in my head, I heard the name Edward. And I was oh, wow. like, who's Edward? And a device went off. And then Ethan's like, how come you said Edward? That was like my grandpa's middle name or something. And I was, I didn't say anything, but in my head, I was like, it's not about your grandpa. Like, no, this, it's this person, Edward. And he just said his name and I acknowledged Edward and a device did something. And then I remember he, Ethan immediately started to say like something offensive or whatever. And I reminded them about respecting what was there and all that stuff. And Linda picked up on the thermal, a silhouette of like a figure walking across the back of the classroom. Oh yeah. And it looked like it was like leaving. And I was, was like, done. yeah, I was like, he's done with your shit. He's you done know? with yeah. the bullshit. But yeah. then here's, here's where it flipped around. Ethan then decides, Ethan then decides, <laughs> okay, well, fuck you, Edward, you know, like, fuck you. This is boring. You go start doing shit. Like he right. starts saying stuff like that. And then the REM pod behind me had started to go off, but it was like a different sound than it had made before. And then this other device that was similar to the REM pod over here on the other side of the room had not gone off at all. And then it was going off too. And I'm just like, okay, here you go. You know, he's letting you know he hears you and he doesn't like what you're saying. And he's like, well, I'm not sorry. I'm glad, I'm glad you died, you know, (gasps) stuff like that. And I just uh, have looked at comments on this video of people assuming that I'm sick of his shit and I was over it and mm-hmm. I would have left if they if they didn't pay me and all these other things that I've seen people type in the comments. Right, it's the internet. I don't, I don't agree. The thing is, is that I went in there as somebody that specializes in something that I do mm-hmm. and however they choose to deal with it and be a part of it is on them. Right. So I'm going to be true to who I am. I'm not going to fabricate evidence. I'm not going to cater to the jokes and the shit that they're doing, but I'm also, I don't need to be disrespectful to them or say something rude, you know? Mm -hmm. And that was the approach that I took and it's all I know to be true. So that happens with Edward. We're in the schoolhouse. And then I was just like, okay, I think that's it. We should just move on. And they decided to do the Estes method. And again, (laughs) a lot of, a lot of, a lot of acting, I'm outside with Linda and everybody else and we're asking questions and Ethan's inside doing the Estes method and he's doing it the wrong way, but he's, <laughs> he has the headphones on and the thing and he's making shit up, <sighs> making up responses. And I'm just totally going along with it. And unfortunately, yeah, I know Linda believed a lot of it and I'm just kind of there like, oh my God, wow, you know? Yeah. But then you watch the the video, the playback and everything. And he's like, oh, I'm, I'm just making all this up. I remember oh, I, seeing that. I was like, why? Yeah. No. I mean, we know why, because that's just what they do. So yeah. right. we moved on from there. We went into the house. I had been in the house previously with Linda before the investigation uh, in the evening. And there was a lot of high uh, millimeter readings, a lot of like areas where it's very obvious that there's uh, a, a cluster of spirits in that place. And a woman really stuck out the most, uh, like a motherly mm. maternal figure who 
I don't think she was the wife of the Mentry family necessarily, but I think that she had migrated into that space at some point in time and never left. So, um, and I felt really like she was really pleasant, but she hated those people. Mm -hmm. I felt the change as we walked in as a group of her just like, peace out, fuck you, you know? And the the devices aren't doing anything, nothing Mm -hmm. is happening. And, you know, it's just, there's this like bright ass flashlight that Ethan had and it was a gimmick and um, really bright. And it was, you know, obnoxious and the jokes and that continued. And um, the night ended with the video being uh, culminated to Olivia uh, doing a, a walking around with the headphones in the spirit box by herself. And then a bat really was in the house and it scared the shit. <laughs> yeah. It scared the shit out of her. I know. I saw it. It, yeah, it was there. And it was really funny to me. Cause they're like, Oh my God, there's a bat. And I was like, we're in the country. Yes. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And then um, they fabricated the whole thing of her, like getting bit. And then that was, that was it, you know, like, ta-da. So but that's the thing is that you have to realize is that first and foremost, they are making a show. Yes. Yes. That they are making yep. something for entertainment yes. and that there is not very much that is real about reality television. And it's not the early two thousands where we're like, wow, the bachelor is real. Like they're finding a lot. Like yeah. those things do not <laughs> totally. exist. Everything that you are seeing on a program is produced. It's storyboarded. It's edited. Yep it's set to music and lighting and like it's a product. So mm-hmm. it, unfortunately all of those things aren't that surprising. Yeah. But it's like, but it, they're making a show. That's great. They're making a show. And it was, you know, it's, it's a great show. Yeah. They have a huge audience and at the end of the whole thing. And, you know, I, I did read some of the comments and it's funny to me because like the fans and the followers of their channel, a lot of the comments are like, Oh my God, Ethan is so annoying. Yeah. Oh my God, he just can't stop. Like he's oh, trolling, no. he's trolling, trolling so hard, you know? Oh, no. Yeah, that's that's what it was like coming in my head too. I'm like, oh, he's, he just won't stop. But you know, he's not it, taking this seriously. It was, uh, it was still a, a good experience. Yeah. I, I enjoyed their energy and meeting all of them and getting to know them uh, throughout that whole course of the evening. And I'm grateful to have been a part of it. I'm grateful that uh, there's people who have seen me on there and they're like really excited to say hello or that they love the episode mm. and thought it, it was like, cause I did get some jabs in you guys. Let's be real. Like yeah. <laughs> there was a couple of times. So I, it, it was fun. It was fun. Um, really do want to go back there though and have a actual real investigation. Yeah. I'm really intrigued with really that location. Yeah. Like I really liked it. Like in the video, I want to learn mm-hmm. more of the history and mm-hmm. to actually see a proper investigation performed yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. They do, They have a whole website with a lot of the history too. That's Ooh. easily accessible. So I definitely want to like look into that. You and should. We- it's, it's amazing how much has, has been there. And then uh, what is I it called the- again? Mentryville. Mentryville. Okay. Mentryville. Ah, there it is. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mentryville Park. It's funny. It's funny seeing or hearing those two stories of like your experience at the Cecil and then your experience here. Like it is important, I think, to hold space for like 
not everything needs to be like dark and gritty and like the Richard Ramirez's of it all. Yeah. We can hold space for like the joy and the peace and the whimsy that comes with paranormal investigating. And it also doesn't always have to be like silly and fake and like making things up. It can also be like taken seriously mm-hmm. and like trying to thread that balance. I'm sure it can be very tricky, but like there's a spectrum. It's always going to be a spectrum. Especially yes. if they are just trying to produce a show, you know, mm-hmm. but they, right. they, they succeeded in what they were doing. Um, and I feel like their fans and their followers, they, they loved it. And then they yeah. moved on to the next episode that they created the following yeah. few days. But I wanted to go back to Edward. Mm. Uh, again, I knew nothing about this place except the address they gave me. That's yeah. it. Wow. I insisted to Linda, don't tell me shit yeah. at all. And she didn't. I found Edward from the their website and it says, 1863, General Edward Fitzgerald Beale came down from his 300,000-acre Tihon Ranch to take over the roadwork project in the Fremont Pass. I mean, so- all I remember from that spirit of Edward is how much he valued respect, mm. how much he did not want to be offended, how much he was like, not. I don't want to say militant, I didn't pick that up then, but yeah. I got the feeling of like, this guy is like, he means business. He's very yeah. serious. He's very focused on like his life and his work. Uh, he doesn't fuck around, you know? Yeah. Wow. That's what I really picked up on. And so when I read that, I got chills and I was like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's totally him. There's that's no way it's crazy. not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at the location of this place. Bryce, it's 20 minutes from both of us. Great. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know me, I love the military. So. I mean, Bryce, we have to get you into a new investigation yes. soon. Yeah. You, yeah. me, you, me, and Zachariah, and yes. hopefully Linda the Ghost Hunter. And yeah, sure. we should all go over there yeah. and do something because I'm really, I really am looking through these pictures and I really am so intrigued with this place. This is, yeah, it's a ghost town. Mentryville is like legit ghost town. Yeah, it's like it's almost like it's one of the first ghost towns, you know. Yeah, it's the, literally um, like with the yeah next to Newall. <gasps> yeah, that is it's so cr- crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, this, I didn't like, know this, this existed. Right, the schoolhouse even being there, uh, the money that was coming in from like the drilling for the oil and everything, they realized this family is starting to get more workers coming in who also have children, so they had to build a schoolhouse crazy and then they had to build another house to house like some of the workers and then they like a lot of this stuff just popped up over time and it became what it is now you know so i i i totally did though in in summary i felt those those spirits for sure and then Mm. a vibe about it is like there's nothing dark or heavy or bad it's just very much like um a lot of hands changed throughout that that place over time. Yeah, and wow. you can tell that it's almost as if it stayed the same while the world changed around it. You know, right? Um, which kind of makes it a little somber and weird, but um, it it made sense to me, and I wow. I I enjoyed it. I I would go back there for sure. So let me know for sure. Yay! <laughs> Definitely. You heard it first, guys. We're going to try to get Grace into an investigation. <laughs> yes, I know. The last one, I was like, I'm sorry that every single person that I know is a Scorpio and there's like a million birthdays back to back. Scorpio. <laughs> Zachariah, what is next on your list? What are your new projects and endeavors that are ahead of you? 
Okay, well, uh, let's see. I am, I'm going on tour. I don't know if I'm allowed to like, I don't know if I'm allowed to say what who it is or what it's for right now, but I am going to go on a tour in Nevada to a lot of different locations that are reportedly haunted and have a lot of history. Mm. And that's going to take about five days to do all of that. And um, I come back from that. And then uh, what else do I have going on? I have been really focused on my work with uh, the death doula program and finishing that. And I'm done with my certifications and I have been volunteering at a hospital nearby me. And I sit at the surgical uh, surgery waiting room desk and it like deal with families and friends and loved ones that are waiting on the person to come out of surgery. And um, that's wow. very, it's really fulfilling to be uh, like kind of a comforting presence for people that are just like biting their nails and like worried and nervous, you know? Oh, that's, um, awesome. that's amazing. And I'm still taking clients and I'm um, after some uh, really, I guess, like deliberating it back and forth. I went back and I got my um, master teacher certification in Reiki. So I have that now. Um, I have my American Clinicians Academy certificate for for, uh, medically assisted aid and dying. Wow. Um, My national end of life doula association registry sort of certification and proficiency um and then the next step other than you know the youtube maybe being on some tv shows blah 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 whatever comes i'm open to it you know mm. i am going to go to school to get my degree for uh my chaplaincy oh wow because remember i'm in the hospital mm-hmm. and i met these chaplains and i was like I want, I want to do this. Yeah. I want to have this ability to go into a room for somebody and give them comfort and peace of mind or just listen, Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and it's a good job where you can travel and take it anywhere. So that's amazing. I am excited to begin that process. I haven't set a date yet, but that is, that is the next thing that's more like I have to do this. Wow. So this was your calling. Maybe, I mean, that could have been another reason. This could have been your new yeah. path. That I is... could see you doing that. Mm-hmm. If I yeah. was stuck in a hospital bed and I saw your face, I'd be like, oh. yeah. <laughs> I had a comical thought. I was like, what if I came in in like my uniform of like the black hat and the all black? Yes. And they're like, <laughs> they're like, am I dying? Jeez. <laughs> Not <laughs> yet. I'm yes. the hat man. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but if you Whatever. got a second. Yeah. <laughs> but life is, life is really good. And I've been in a place of, I feel mm-hmm at peace and I feel in a lot of ways as though I've been minding my own business in a, it's not like purposeful, but it's like, I took all that time for myself to get those certificates and to do those classes and to not put it all over the internet and not do it to Mm. try to like get attention. I was just like, I'm just going to do it and make it happen. And it felt really good to do that. Yeah. And it's the same for people I've worked with as like students in witchcraft. It's like, you don't have to share all of your spells and things that you're doing with everybody around you at at all. Like there's a lot of power in keeping things just for yourself and having it be sacred for you. Mm -hmm. And you have the option then to choose later 
I, okay, maybe I will share it now. Maybe I will make this announcement. Maybe I will present this thing that I can do, or maybe it will always be sacred and just for me, you know? I mean, I've never told anyone for years because I've had my level two Reiki certification for four years, wow. you know, mm -hmm. never told anybody I had it because I used to make fun of that shit, you know, and I was just like, keep your woo woo shit away from me, you know, <laughs> but after this hospital thing and after this year of things that have occurred, I was like, it did mean a lot to me. And it taught me a lot about a uh, part of spirituality that's accessible and should be available for a lot of us that want to have a different modality of healing and peace. So I just did it. Why not? You know? Yeah. And it, it was, uh, I don't know. It wasn't easy, but it wasn't like really hard. It was just like a lot of refreshing. So mm. I could yeah. tell in your social media and your Instagram, like you took a big break and mm -hmm. I noticed you took a lot of time for yourself. You took a lot of big hikes. You took a lot of, you, you were one with nature yeah. wherever you traveled you were connecting with mm -hmm. nature in that aspect and i yeah. can tell like yeah he's healing yeah he's yeah, on his too. own journey and much respect to him yeah. absolutely i appreciate that because it's uh i would have a lot of certain times where walking was really hard to do because mm -hmm. it just felt monotonous but then you know you do it and you finish it and then when you come home you're like god I don't know I, why do I make it like it's so hard this feels great every time yeah mm -hmm. you know it's very powerful it's very good for you mm. it is I was just very happy to see you hiking yeah. and walking again me too thank you definitely very very happy yeah. me too mm -hmm. Zachariah for those who are listening right now what message do you want to leave with them before we you know bring things to an end mm. There's so much that we talked about. Mm -hmm. But what sticks out in your mind the most that you want people to carry with them from here on out? If you can, and if, you've, if you're ready, allow yourself to be vulnerable. Hmm. Allow yourself to be humble. Mm -hmm. Allow yourself to be taken care of. Hmm. And if you look around you, and you're struggling to find the support and the people and the where you identify and how that help will come to you. That's really when you need to do it the most. It's when you need to evaluate, you need to do some checks and balances. You need to, I don't know, get mad at yourself, push yourself to change, forgive, let go, release, and pick up those fucking pieces and make something great. You know, we, there's, a lot that I've learned from people who are uh, in the stages of death and dying, and they're no bullshit. Mm. They know their timestamp and they don't have time to make up excuses and have regrets and avoid a hard conversation because it's hard for somebody else. They're just like, no, it's important. It's valuable. It's meaningful. And if I love this person, it needs to be done. And I've taken that with me and put it on myself as well and how mm. I treat how I treat myself. Mm. Mm -hmm. So that's what I want for people to see is like, you know, those vulnerabilities, those moments of having a chance to just like sit with the things that maybe you've been avoiding your whole life. Mm. It's not because you're supposed to avoid it. It's because it's the thing that will actually help you heal. Mm. 